A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. In the name of the living and true God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Please be seated. I've not always been a priest, naturally. Actually, my very first job was in a profession known as the custodial arts. As a junior high kid, I spent my summer summers working as a janitor in a local elementary school. Little did I know how well being a janitor would actually prepare me for the priesthood. It was during those summer months that I learned to master what I've come to know as the five L's of parish ministry. Father Kraft illumined me on the five L's of parish ministry. And they are, of course, lights, locks, leaks, lawns, and lavatories. <laughs> 90 to 92% of the work of every uh, clergy person. Along with the five L's, I was also introduced in those summer months to a lot of very good music by all of the older dudes that I worked with. One artist who I still listen to from time to time is named Larry Norman. Show of hands for those of you who've ever heard of Larry Norman. Larry Norman is often hailed as the pioneer of Christian rock music, and his heyday was in the late 60s and early 70s. He was a bit of a rebel in his own time. It was interesting because folks outside of the church didn't quite know what to make of him, and folks inside the church also didn't quite know what to make of him. And my malleable junior high brain just soaked up Larry Norman's music uh, and his message. I had a cassette tape of his hit album, Only Visiting This Planet, and I would listen to it over and over again on my Walkman as I would sweep the halls of this elementary school. Only Visiting This Planet is filled with many of Larry's uh, greatest hits, including Why Should the Devil Have All the Good Music? That was one of his great songs, indeed. And the last track on this album is a really great uh, classic rock tune. It has a great rhythm to it, and it's called Reader's Digest. And it's filled with his signature cynicism and snarkiness. And on the second verse, I want to share the second verse of this song called Reader's Digest. It begins with these lines. I remember he's writing, the album came out in 1972. The Rolling Stones are millionaires. The Flower Children, pallbearers. The Beatles said, all you need is love. And then they broke up. But you got to hear him sing it because he has this kind of whine. Rolling Stones are millionaires, flower children, pallbearers. Beatles said, all you need is love. And then they broke up. I always thought that that was a really great line and an even greater point, right? Because it's true. It was the summer of 1967 that the Beatles released their hit song, All You Need Is Love. And in less than three years, in April of 1970, that's when Paul McCartney announced his departure and the Beatles broke up. 
The Beatles said, all you need is love, and then they broke up. Now, Larry Norman's lyric is a bit smug, like many of his songs were. And the truth is that the Beatles didn't have a bad message, did they? All you need is love. The fact of the matter is, it's just easier said than done. I mean, if we're honest, we have a similar charge as Christians. The scriptures bear witness throughout. Our Lord summarizes all the law and the prophets, telling us, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. St. Paul reiterates the supreme significance of love in his famous uh, chapter 13 of his letter to the Corinthians, first letter, where he says, You can have everything in the whole world. You can have X, Y, Z, but without love you are nothing. He concludes, faith, hope, and love abide, but the greatest of these is love. The Christian can, with a clear conscience, affirm the Beatles' message, all you need is love. But if we're honest, we also must confess that we too, like the Beatles, have had our share of breakups in spite of our proclamation of love. We too have failed time and again to live into this message that we proclaim. A few weeks ago in the catechumenate class, uh, the, the catechumens looked at the history of the church over a couple different sessions. And if you have studied the history of the church, you know that on the one hand, it can be a very depressing and sordid study indeed. We find disagreements and tifts and rifts beginning even in the New Testament church, begins in the New Testament church, and it never stops for every age of the church. Students of church history will remember that the first big breakup within the church happened a thousand years in, the year 1054. It's called the Great Schism between the East and the West. And then you might remember from high school history classes, the time of the Reformation, just 500 years later, when in the West was like a bomb went off in the church, and the church exploded into many different pieces. And then when she came to America, the church continued her splintering and her fractions, and the denomination was born in America. We don't think about the denomination, um, we don't always think about it this way, but the truth is, is that uh, it's, a, it's a testimony and a witness of the brokenness of the church, the many different denominations that exist. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. It is so much easier said than done. And one of the particular challenges for the Christian is the quality of love to which we are called. It's one thing to talk about love in a generic sense, but it's quite another if we get into defining what we mean by the word love. Because the truth is, is that there are many, most, perhaps every religion and philosophy speaks of love, teaches people to love one another. Judaism, Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism, paganism, even Satanism, Atheism, all have various understandings of and calls to love. It's true. The idea of love has been around forever. 
which makes our Lord's words from today's gospel especially intriguing when we listen to them closely. He begins by saying, a new commandment I give to you. Can you imagine the disciples hearing these words? I imagine them listening with bated breath. Whoa, okay, fellas, hold on. There's a new one coming. Somebody get a pen. This is going to be good. Jesus continues, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. I can imagine the disciples saying, wait, what did he just say? Did he just quote Leviticus? Leviticus 19 says, love your neighbor as yourself. I don't understand. That's not new. No, it's not new. It's the part that comes next that makes the commandment new. A new commandment I give to you, he says, okay? That you love one another, okay? Even as I have loved you, that you love one another. What makes this commandment new is the quality of love to which we are called. It's interesting that we read these words in Eastertide on the other side of the cross. I don't know if that crossed your mind as you're listening to the gospel reading. I mean, we're in the 50 days of resurrection, and our gospel reading took us back to the Last Supper, where we just were a few weeks ago. We read these words in Eastertide on the other side of the cross so that we can understand them more. We can understand them in their fullness. What makes this commandment new is the quality of love, the measure of love that is required of us. Our Lord calls us not just to love, but to love as he has loved. And we know now on the other side of the cross what that means, laying down his life for us. And not just for us, his disciples, his friends, but even for his enemies. This is the new commandment to love as Christ loves. The fourth century bishop, St. John Chrysostom, writes, How does Jesus call this a new commandment when it's contained in the Old Covenant? He makes it new himself, which is why he adds, As I have loved you. And St. John Chrysostom goes on to say, I have not paid back to you a debt of good deeds first done by you, but I myself have begun the good deed. He says, and so you ought to benefit those closest to you, your dearest ones, though you owe them nothing. St. Chrysostom shows us even further the quality of this love. Jesus owes us nothing. There is no vested interest in what he does on the cross. There is nothing in it for him. His sacrifice is solely for the sake of the other, for the life and salvation that it wins for us, his creation. And we see in this that true love, it's not a transaction. It's not a bargain. It's not a deal struck between two parties. It's not about what I am owed by someone else or what I owe another person or doing something that I might get something in exchange or return. There is a true sense in which love, true love, is a one-sided affair. It does not seek anything in return, which is why we see true love in all of its perfection on the cross. The cross is the antithesis of vested interest. 
the epitome of disinterested love, which is to say divine love, which is to say true love. This is the love that Jesus calls us to show one another. This is the new commandment. Now, it would be very easy for us to say, and I think oftentimes if we're honest, we do, well, that's impossible. I can't do that. I can't love others like that. I'm not Jesus. I'm just a sinner. But Jesus didn't do all this stuff. He didn't die on the cross and reveal to us what true love is so that we wouldn't have to. If that were the case, Jesus would not say things like, follow me, or I give you a new commandment. In other words, something for you to do. Jesus did all this stuff in order to show us how to, to lead us, to empower us to do the same. To, as he says in his Sermon on the Mount, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. That is the goal. To think that we have somehow achieved a satisfactory level in our call to love is to radically miss the point of what it means to follow Jesus. To think that we've somehow bumped up against the ceiling of our capacity to love is misguided. Now, maybe we have of our own volition, but in Christ, which we all are, we cannot hit the limit, not in this life anyway. If you read the readings from the daily office, the morning and evening prayer scripture readings, then you will have read yesterday morning a portion of St. Paul's letter to the church in Thessalonica, where he writes, Concerning love of one another, you have no need to have anyone write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another, and indeed, you do love one another. So he's giving a word of encouragement to the church. You know the new commandment, you're doing the, com- good, the new commandment, good work. But he does not stop there. He goes on to say, but we exhort you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more. And this is our calling, to love one another more and more. If you were present at our annual meeting in January, or perhaps you read the report from that meeting, then you'll remember that we proclaimed this year, 2016, as the year of love at St. Michael's by the Sea. And this came up at a recent vestry meeting um, that we as a vestry talked about wanting to um, hold up this theme uh, before ourselves, keep each other accountable to this theme of love for the whole year. The opportunities to grow in love are infinite. They always begin in the present moment. In fact, they're only found in the present moment. They begin right here and right now. We're not all going to be crucified upside down on a cross like St. Peter was. But every single time we put another person first for their own sake and before ourselves, that is a type of cross. And we are exercising the new commandment. Every time we show more care for another than we do ourselves, we are exercising the new commandment. I have many friends who are involved in various kinds of church ministry around the country. And 
One of them was a music pastor at a church in Phoenix. He's since moved on. A few years ago, we were visiting with his family, and they had just uh, been appointed or taken this job at this new church. And and he and his wife were sharing with us. Uh, we were asking them, well, how's it going? What What's the new church like? And they really enjoyed it. And I said, well, why? What do you like about it? And he said, well, at, at the church that we came from, it was a really needy congregation. And I thought that was an interesting thing to say. I hadn't quite thought about a congregation that way. He said, but the church that we're at now, these people, all they want to do is serve and give and love. And that was inspiring for him, as you might imagine it would be. And I've thought about that from time to time. And I'd like to share this morning that the congregation at St. Michael's by the Sea, I do not see as a needy congregation. I see this congregation as a congregation that loves and serves and gives in so many inspiring ways. And my hope is that in this year of love, 2016, that we would continue to cultivate a culture of the new commandment, to love as Christ loved us, and that we would do so more and more, more and more. In the name of the living and true God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.